We are, we are so excited about what God's doing at Grace Community Church. It's just a rush. It's a, it's a ride to be on, and we're, we're glad you're part of that. And we're, we're glad you're here this morning. Thanks for being with us, whether you're here in one of our services or, or in Paulding or, or on the Internet checking us out. We're glad that you're with us today. It's really an exciting day. We, we saw the graduates and uh, this is their big weekend for some of them, last weekend or last night, today, next weekend. They're graduating. I, I started getting information. We actually have maybe nine or ten high schools that, that are, are church impacts. And we, I was trying to get it straight on when everybody was graduating. I just gave up because I couldn't keep it all. So, but, uh, but that's happening. I know Fremont and Clyde and Lakota, I think, are, are right just in a couple hours. They'll be graduating. So... Uh, we want, and, and because it's kind of a wet day, that affects the graduates. Because if they're graduating today, they don't do it in. They, they don't do it outside where it's kind of unlimited seating. They do it inside, and then they have to, you know, they only have four tickets or whatever, and they got to figure all that stuff out. It's kind of a bummer, but uh, so pray for them uh, that that won't throw them off, and they'll just have a great day of celebration. It's kind of that graduation, the, the start of a new chapter. We actually. Uh, believe that that's kind of true for our church right now, uh, that, that right now in the history of grace, uh, it's kind of a, a new chapter, and that kind of starts uh, with this whole uh, project, that, that's this new building that, that we're get, getting ready to, to happen, our, our groundbreaking. That's what we're celebrating today, our groundbreaking. You guys ready for that? All right, Yeah. Okay, I noticed this section was not excited about that at all, but over here, a lot of excitement. So are you guys ready? I mean, groundbreaking. This is, it's pretty good stuff, and we're excited about that. So because it's kind of a little wet, uh, we just thought we would handle that. So you just sit tight, and uh, we will do the groundbreaking right now. Are you ready? Here it goes. Uh, here, we'll, we'll make it happen. So come with me as we go out to our construction site this morning. Now, a lot of churches, when they do groundbreakings, they use shovels. But here at Grace Community, I mean, it's go big or go home. So we actually brought in this excavator. And not only that, but we have Pastor Zach running this thing. So here he is, and he's going to break some ground for us. We are so excited about this project and everything that God will do. What I'd like to do is kind of paint the picture for you what's going to be here uh, with, this, with this construction. Right on the other side of this wall, we have a, a tech area, and then about where I'm standing, we're going to have a gym that goes all the way through east and west. On the east side, at the front entrance, we have a cafe, a great place for teenagers to connect and meet. Over in this area in the back corner, we're going to have a high school uh, area, a high school room. And then back in this corner, we have a middle school room. And both of those rooms are large. They both have two large garage doors. So that's four total. So when we open up all those doors, it makes just a huge event space that we can use for different things. So just this, please be praying that everything will go smoothly in this project. We are so excited. I mean, I really believe here at Grace, we have the professionals, we have the expertise, we have the knowledge, and we have the volunteers to make this project work, and we're excited to see what God's going to do. 
So, uh, so that went pretty smooth, right? <laughs> Unless you were, drove an Oldsmobile and parked it in the grass. Everything's great so far. We are, we're really excited about starting our construction this week. So when you come back next Sunday, you should see that, uh, that taking place. And again, we're, we're really pumped about what God's doing here and the new opportunities that'll give us. I got to tell you, uh, I've been here at Grace for, for over a couple of decades, and, and it's just been a, a great place to be. I can't tell you how thankful uh, I am that I could be here at Grace through, through these last uh, several years of our history. I mean, God has really used Grace Community Church to, to impact a lot of people. And uh, not a week goes by that we don't hear stories of people and how their lives have changed because God's done a work in their heart and grace has somehow been a part of that. And I, I know back in the day, some of you have been here longer than others, and uh, we, we made a lot of changes. And, and I'm so proud of our church because there were a lot of things that we, we just, there, there was a point back there 15 or 20 years ago where we were saying, look, we need to do more to reach our area for Christ. We need to do more to make a bigger impact. We need to change some things. And as we were challenged as a church, uh, our people stepped up to the challenge, even changing things that they liked and uh, things that they didn't want to change. They were willing to change. We were willing to change to, to make that greater impact that we were hoping for. And over the years, God has blessed us because of that. I mean, in 02, building this building we're sitting in, we didn't need the building for the people that we had. We built it for the people who were going to come. And then we did our, our extension, that, that coffee center over there in the quad. And now, this week, we're, we're starting this. And I know uh, many of you have been giving toward this project. We started doing that last year through Going With Grace or Next Step. And, and as we do that, I, I want to thank you for that. And uh, I just, I really I can't put it into words how grateful I am to you and, and to our Savior that I get to be uh, the, the lead pastor here at Grace. So thank you. Thank you for letting me do that. And we are, we're really excited about what God is doing. As we look at the New Testament, there's, there's a lot that, that happens as, uh, as Jesus starts building his church. He founded the church, his idea. So he, he launched it. He said he would build the church. And, and we see that all over the world just like we see it here. And it's interesting as you look in and read the New Testament... A lot of the New Testament is Paul and others writing letters to churches. And boy, the churches of the first century, they had issues. Uh, all churches have issues because we all have issues. And so that's just kind of the way it goes. And a lot of times he's, he's writing churches because they have theological problems or he's writing churches because there are people causing disunity and, and division and trouble or he's writing churches like, like Corinth, and, and boy, the people there, they're just struggling with carnality. They're just struggling with doing the whole Christian thing and, and changing their lives. And, and Paul writes all these churches, and he, he, 
kind of corrects all these things. But there's one church that I wanted to focus on today. It was a church in a town in Greece called Thessalonica. And he writes them, and they had issues too, but basically writes them to say, hey, you're doing a lot of things right, and he commends them. And that's what I want to focus on today is, is how Jesus really changes our lives. And, and as, he do, as, as he does that, he changes us. And because we are the church, it changes the church. So we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to look at chapter 1 and just see the, the marks. Paul, Paul's commending them about what they've done well, what they've done right, and how that has impacted their church. And, and Jesus, he, he really points out in this first chapter three things that, that Jesus changes in them. And the first thing is he changes their actions. He, he changes their priorities. He changes, when Jesus comes in to our lives, and true of the first century and those believers in Thessalonica, he changed the way they lived. He changed their actions, their priorities. Let's look how he opens this letter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. He says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers and then why he gives thanks. Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Those three things are what I want to point out. That work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope. He, he's commending them on their work of faith. And he's saying basically that once we have faith, it changes our lives, it changes our priorities in such a way that we make God's agenda our agenda as Christians. And we start doing things that we think God wants us to do. And, as, and that's what our faith produces a difference in our life. And, and it's the same way with this new building. When we build this, you know, we're, we're not doing it just to be doing it. It, 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 will, it costs money. It will make us work harder. You know, we'll, we'll have more stuff to do, more, more prayer, more everything as we try to impact more people. But, but that's exactly why we're doing it, because we want to make a greater impact on our area. And as he, he says that, he's, he's telling us, hey, you know, hang in there. Good job, he's telling these Thessalonians. Good job for your work of faith. And then he says your labor of love. And this is work kind of a word more intensified. He's saying the hard work that's motivated by love. He's saying good job that you're doing that. Because you're loving people, you're acting on that. And you're doing church. You're doing Christianity. I remember how I was impacted uh, by, by, the, by what I consider kind of my home church or the church I grew up in in Colorado. How, how when I was a teenager who had a, you know, issues, 
But I came in, kind of attached myself to the church there, and people there loved me. I didn't deserve to be loved. I was, you know, just kind of a mess. But they cared about me. They loved me. It, it, it really, next to Jesus, it, that helped change my life because God loved me through that church. And we're hoping, we want to experience the same thing here. We want to have that labor of love. And he doesn't stop there. You know, he also talks about the steadfastness of hope. And when he talks steadfastness of hope, he's talking about kind of our endurance based on the hope we have in Christ. And, and again, when the New Testament uses this Greek word for hope, it's a little different than the way we use it in the modern day English language. Hope then, the way this word is translated, meant that certain expectation of something that you knew was going to happen in the future. The certainty of of what they knew would happen in the future through Christ caused them to endure tough things, hard things. This endurance is even talking about uh, the, the difficulties they faced because of their faith. They were being persecuted. Things weren't going well. They had pushback. From their families, as they came to Christ, not everybody was excited about that. Just like can happen today. There was that kind of, that level of sacrifice. And uh, we're trying to make all this happen. We want to love people in our community. We want to make a difference. And we want to keep doing that. Work of faith, labor of love, steadfastness of hope. One of the things we're excited about doing this year is uh, not only do we have this building being built that hopefully will be done by the end of the year, we also have a new ministry that we're going to be starting this summer. And, uh, and that ministry, there's a lot of things that we're doing well at Grace, but as our church grows, we are very concerned that we're, we're better equipping ourselves to connect with each other. So even though our church gets larger, we still have those personal connections. And that's what this new ministry is all about. And as a matter of fact, some of you will be getting some, uh, some invites from me to sit in on a meeting next Sunday during the third hour in the choir room over here, just where I can present this ministry to you as a potential leader. And, uh, and, and just invo- we're just looking for people who are really friendly and outgoing and, and can meet people and, uh, and, and have some time to be here early uh, for every ch- the church service that they happen to come to, the one church service they come to, whatever hour that is. And if that kind of fits you, you're welcome to come to this meeting. And some of you are going to get invites from me to come. But we're just really excited about what God is going to do through this and through grace as he continues uh, to bless our church, hopefully, and we make an impact on our community. Uh, it's just loving God and then that love of God produces a love for people. So Paul's saying to the Thessalonians, number one, hey, Jesus has brought a change to your actions, this whole new priorities, what you're doing with your life. He's also brought a, a change uh, for your mouth or for your speech in that we have this newfound desire as believers that we want to tell others about Christ. We want to let others know what God's done for us. This whole gift of salvation, what we call the gospel, this good news that Christ brought to us, it's changed our lives, it, it, it's impacted us, changed our lives, and then we want, it, we want that same thing for other people. The joy that we have in Christ, we want for others. And here's how 
Here's how he kind of gets to that point in verse 7. He says, So that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, for the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. And here, what he's saying here is he's talking about the fact that once they became believers, this group of people in Thessalonica, they started telling everybody, they started talking, because they had this desire that other people would respond to God's message, so they shared the message. Not only did becoming a Christian change their priorities and their actions and their work and their labor, but it also changed the way they talk because they realized that their speech, their talk influenced people and they had this desire to share the good news of what Christ has done for us, his love for us with other people. And that happened in the town of Thessalonica. It happened in Macedonia. It happened in Achaia. It happened all over the place is what Paul's saying. Why? Because they wanted to share their faith. They wanted to impact their community. And that's the same thing God has done now through grace. The reason our church has grown as large as it's grown. i got to tell you, the growth we've experienced here at Grace, it's, it's kind of unprecedented in a community of our size. And God is just blessed and blessed and blessed. We don't ever want to limit God in any way. But there would be a lot of people, just church strategists, who would say you really can't have a church this size in a community. Or so. You know, it's just, but God can do whatever he wants. And God has grown his church because of you reaching out and talking to other people. Not a week goes by that we don't hear of somebody's life being changed by God and grace, our, our church, being a part of that. And actually, I want to share one of those stories with you today, and that is uh, Sarah Scruggs. I'd like for her to share her story. Hi, my name is Sarah Scruggs, and I started coming to Grace in November of last year. A dear friend of mine, Sarah Crawford, died unexpectedly at the age of 30. The night before her showing, a mutual friend of ours asked me to come to church. I had reservations about attending Grace, I thought I'd be considered an outsider. When I came to church that morning, I observed people enjoying life and smiling. With the death of a close friend, the fear of dying became even more frightening. I couldn't understand if I thought I was going to heaven, why was I so anxious about the topic of death? I thought I was good with God. I grew up in a church. I put trust in all things like baptism, catechism, and saying Hail Marys. I truly thought those were the tools to get me into heaven. I thought my religious background is what would make me good with God. I soon discovered that the correct relationship with God was putting trust in Jesus Christ for my future. On Sunday, December 7th, I remember Pastor Kevin ending his sermon with a prayer of repentance. He said, if you truly want to know God and love him, say this prayer in your own words. At that moment, I felt a tug in my heart and emotions started to build. I confess to God with all of my heart. I give you everything. I give you all my worries, my fears, and most important, my love. I left that day feeling complete. I had found what I had been searching for. Ever since that day, 
I have a sense of security. I no longer fear death. I read my Bible now. I want to know so much more about God. I want people to know that you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and not just rely on your religion. Yeah, you After receiving Christ a few months ago, I got to tell you, Sarah is a, a, an amazing young lady. Uh, she has shared her faith. Uh, she has seen people in her family come to Christ. She has invited her friends. As a matter of fact, yesterday afternoon, I was at a wedding here, and I saw an old friend who doesn't come to grace, uh, but a, a, a believer, great guy. And I was talking to him, and he said, well, hey, I may be in your church tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, you may be attending grace tomorrow. What's up? He says, well, well, Sarah's going to be sharing her story. By, you know, he already knew. She has impacted a lot of people. Not only has God brought that joy into her heart, but it's overflown into other people in her life. And, and that's what we want for everybody. You know, we have this news. Uh, Christianity is based on an event that we are telling people about as news. We're saying, Christ rose from the dead. He did something for us. And we understand that this message we want to share with other people. Hey, we want to tell people, God made you. God loves you. God created you in the image of God, which means that he's created you with this freedom to, to kind of live and do what you want. Unfortunately, with that freedom, and it's really a freedom to voluntarily love God back or not. He doesn't force us into relationship. But because of that freedom, all of us have sinned against God. We've all done what God says is wrong. We've all violated his commands. If you're ever curious about that, you can simply just look up the Ten Commandments and try to figure out if you've ever violated any of those commandments. Because I assure you, we all have. And what we don't understand is that that sin against God is serious because God is also just. And if God is perfectly just, it means that ultimately in our universe, justice will be served. Doesn't mean at every moment, at every time. We can see injustices now. But ultimately, God will deal injustice. Which, by the way, is bad news for every one of us. Because we've all sinned against God, a holy and righteous God. We, we don't, it's hard for us to understand the seriousness of our sin. But because we've sinned against somebody so pure, so righteous, our creator... The consequences of our sin is separation from God forever. That's justice served. And that's what we all deserve. We all deserve hell. We all deserve separation from God forever. We don't always feel like that because we compare ourselves to other people. But when we compare ourselves to God's standard, we get it. We all deserve separation from him. But God loves us. This is the good news. This is the gospel. God loved us so much, he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to leave heaven, come to earth, clothe himself in humanity, live life on earth, a perfect life with no sin, and then ultimately, voluntarily, allow his creation to torture him to death, to pay for our sins. 
And that's exactly what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. But we don't get that automatically. In order to receive that forgiveness that Christ makes available through his sacrifice, we have to understand that we're sinners and place our trust in Jesus alone, our faith, our belief. We place our trust in Christ alone. There's no other way. As Sarah was saying, there's no religious rituals that make make us right with God. There's no good deeds. There's no coming to church, even Grace Community, that makes you right with God. None of that makes you right with God. We can't make ourselves right with God. The only thing we can do is turn to God's mercy and the love he's provided us through Christ. And when we place our faith, our trust, our belief in Christ alone, nothing else, That's when God comes into our life. And that's the most important decision that you could ever make. That's the decision that Sarah and many others have made just in the last few months. Actually, about 50 people here at Grace in May, this May. Where are you at on that? You know, that's what we're about as a church. It's the gospel. That's all we have. That's our message. The gospel changes our lives, and then we live out the gospel every day of our Christian life. So Paul's writing this church, and he says, wow, Jesus is coming to your life. He's changed your actions, your priorities, you know, the reason for living, your purpose. He's also changed your mouth, your speech, your your desire to, that other people would know this message, even though that can be hard. And, and so that's why if we're not sharing our faith, we're at least inviting people to hear the message of God. And then the last thing is Jesus has changed our life. We'll see that in, in some verses. It's just our whole life has changed. We kind of skipped a couple verses. I'll go back and grab those. And here's what he says in First Thessalonians. He says, knowing, brethren, in verse 4, Beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. You know, as he says this, there's kind of two contrasting things. He's saying, first of all, knowing God's choice of you. And then he says, you receive the word. This is this whole thing where somehow mysteriously in God's sovereignty, we understand that for us to respond to God, it's God calling, God wooing, God wanting us. He wants all men to be saved. But he has to, he initiates something in our heart that makes us capable of just responding to his love. And then when we do that, we receive the word, we receive the message, we turn to Christ in trust. And then when we do that sincerely, it changes our lives. We, and that's called repentance. When, when we really place our trust in Christ, when we recognize all that he's done for us and the way he's loved us, then we have this natural desire then just in response to, to live his way, to turn to him, to turn our lives over to him. That's what it means to be a Christian. 
That's the most important message you'll ever hear, this gift, this gospel that Christ brought for us. And, and I got to tell you, if you're here, I think you're here for a reason. If you're here, we, we always have non-believers in our services at Grace. Actually, we've designed our services to include people who aren't Christians. And that's biblical. We see the same thing happen in 1 Corinthians 14 and in Acts, where non-believers are present in church, and we know that dynamic. But, but if you don't know if you've ever taken this step of faith where you've trusted in Christ, not church stuff, not baptism, not just Jesus, I, I don't think it's an accident that you're sitting here today. I think God has a plan for your life, and he wants you to hear this message that he loves you. So Christ comes, he changes our life, he changes our priorities, he changes our mouth, he changes everything. And uh, it's interesting that it's Paul writing this. Remember before Paul was Paul, he was Saul. And when he was Saul, he was persecuting Christians. Here's a guy that was Finding people like us, going city to city, finding Christians who were meeting together, which is called church, and he was dragging them out, beating them, putting them in jail, killing them, and all that's happening. And then he's confronted by, the, by Christ. After his resurrection and ascension, Christ blinds him on a road to Damascus where he's doing about his business. He gets stopped by Jesus. And it's interesting. You remember what Jesus said? He says, to Paul, when Paul was blinded, he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You see, Saul was persecuting the church, but Jesus says, why do you persecute me? That's how Jesus is using himself in the church. That's how much Jesus loves the church. He founded it. He builds it. He loves his church. And we're part of that. The church universal is just all believers, all people who have placed their trust in Christ only for their salvation. There's no other way. There's no churchy way and there's no other religious way. Just Jesus. That's it. And whoever's done that through the ages, that's the church. And then those people are gathered into smaller groups like we are here in Fremont. This is the local church. And God wants to change the world. Local church is the most exciting organization on the planet. And even though our lives aren't always smooth and maybe things that don't go every, always the way we think. And sometimes today, even some places, Christians are persecuted. We see people lining up Christians and shooting them or beheading them today. The church still moves on. God still uses the church to impact the world. And then there's another section that I want to get to in verse 9 where we left off all ago. For they, and he's still, he's commending them for taking the word. He says, for they themselves report about, report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. The wrath to come. That's just that God's saying sin will be punished. We will, 
without Jesus, experience God's wrath. That's the just and right thing. But he's talking about how, hey, you've sounded forth the word. Why? Because people's lives are at stake. Their eternities are at stake. So we can't help but tell, point, influence, direct people to God as much as we can. And really, that's, that's what it's all about. Notice he says, turn to God from idols. And I think a lot of times today we read that and we think, well, yeah, idols. We don't have an issue with idols. Nobody's, you know, in this room is probably sitting anywhere worshiping something made out of wood or stone. We got idol issues today. We do. An idol is anything you put in the center of your life. Anything you put as a priority of your life over God. Anything you put as a priority in your life Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday, you know, that's an idol in your life if it's more important than God. And we make idols out of all kinds of things. Success, family, comfort, security. We make these things in our lives more important than serving God. And that's an idol. We When we become Christians, we turn from those empty things and we turn to follow God. We live a different way. Our trajectory has completely changed. And that's how we want to serve God. We talked to some of our graduates this morning. There's one thing I could encourage you and tell you. It's keep God at the center of your life. Keep God at the center. Seek first his kingdom. Because I got to tell you, in life, there's all these distractions and all these things and busyness and all your goals and, and things that happen that will distract you from God. Don't let that happen. Don't let things, don't let events distort your relationship with God. Keep him first. Keep him the priority. Keep Christ the center of your life and let everything else flow from that. That's what God wants from all of us. I've been talking about how excited we are for grace. And uh, we're kind of just doing a little celebration of the church this morning. I don't do that probably enough. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ loves his church. He died for his church. That means he died for you. And I don't believe you could be a Christian and not also love his church. You can't be a follower of Christ and not love his church. He died for his church. And I just want to thank all of you uh, that make grace happen. Hundreds of volunteers every weekend. If you serve at grace, thank you. If you give to grace, you know, we don't talk about money much, but if you're giving, I just want to thank you to say Thanks for making it happen. You help us make ministry happen. If you're giving toward this project, thank you. We plan on impacting people, young people, and not just teens. This creates space for us for children's upward basketball, outreaches, adults free up more space. You know, it just kind of a chain reaction ripples all through our church as a result of having more room that we need and will need for the people who will be coming to grace as God continues to grow us. So thanks for being here today, and uh, I want to close. I know every, every week, I, I mentioned before, there are non-believers sitting in our service, and I don't want to pass with, 
and end the service without giving you an opportunity to respond. And I don't want to embarrass you or manipulate you or anything. But if you're just sitting here and you feel God tugging your heart, like, wow, this all sounds right to me. That's God calling you, prompting you. And I'll tell you, you could do the same thing that Sarah did. Just turn your life over to him right now. You can do that. What I'd like to do is, is have everyone's head bowed. And if we all bow our heads except for me, and I, what I'm, I want to do is just lead you in a prayer. We become Christians when we place our trust in Christ alone. But then we typically, as we do that, we express that to God through prayer. And I just want to lead you in a prayer. God knows your every thought, so you can do this silently. And you can put it in your own words. But if you kind of follow along with me and make this prayer in your own words your prayer, it will be a way for you to express your trust in God. If, in your, if you're sincere, God will change your life. Something like this as our heads are bowed. Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, thank you for loving me. Lord, I, I realize that you have created me and you've given me this freedom and I've misuse that to sin against you and I'm guilty and I deserve hell like everybody else but God I also know that you love me more than I ever realized and you made a way because you love me you made a way for me to be reconnected to you in spite of my sin by allowing your son to die on the cross and God I'm putting my trust in Jesus and what he's done on the cross for my salvation. My trust is in Christ alone. And Father, I pray that you'd come into my life and help me to live it your way. Lord, I want to follow you. God, thanks for loving me. In Christ's name, amen.